It's time for America's six favorite Georgia Bulldogs football podcast. That's right. It's the Dogs on Top, Even on Bottom podcast. Without further ado, here's Matt and Kyler with another week of reflection on Georgia Bulldogs football and poor life decisions. Welcome back, ladies, gentlemen, everyone in between. It's another week of the Dogs on Top, Even on Bottom podcast. And it was a strong to very strong week for the Georgia Bulldogs. A 48-7 victory over the UT Martin fighting Skyhawks or something along those lines. You know, it it was a workman uh, type of performance for the Bulldogs, but a lot of craziness happened outside of the Bulldogs, as it always happens with week one, Kyler. What are your thoughts? Uh, Maybe just quickly on the overview on the Bulldogs. We're obviously going to dive into it later, but then as well, just thoughts on the weekend that was week one in college football 2023. Yeah, I mean, just real quick on the dogs. I, you know, I, we didn't really uh, open up the offense very much, kept things very vanilla. Um, I think that's, you know, smart on our coach's part, not to reveal, you know, too much. But, you know, we had a lot of players out for the game, um, you know, replacing guys like McConkey and, uh, you know, two running backs that were banged up. Dejan didn't get to play at all. Um, and Kendall, he was, um, you know, nursing a little bit of a hamstring. So there's just – not a lot of continuity there. A lot of, uh, you know, rhythm needs to be developed um, there on the offense. But we kept it very plain. And so, you know, I'm, I'm pleased with how the dogs played. Um, um, the defense, you know, only gave up one touchdown. Um, so, overall, very pleased with how we played um, you know, this weekend. But, you know, the, the rest of college football is where the excitement was this weekend. Um, you know, the, the fighting Deion Sanders primetime Buffaloes, over there in Boulder, uh, had quite a game uh, against TCU. It was back and forth the whole game. Uh, we're able to pull it out, and this just shows that the transfer portal has a lot of potential for teams that are, you know, trying to uh, completely, you know, turn turn over a new roster, and they can bring in great players and, and have success doing it. So, um, but yeah, I, I thought very highly of Shador Sanders in that game. Thought he played extremely well, um, as well as. Uh, Travis Hunter, I mean, wow, what, what a story there. Playing both ways, interception, over 100 yards receiving. Yeah, just an incredible athlete. But, you know, they still gave up a significant amount of points in that game. Um, so I think the defense will be potentially the Achilles heel of this team. And, and you know, having the ball um, run on them and, and, you know, giving up a ton of yards on the ground. So that's something that, that Dion and his uh, team have to go back and correct. But – um, what were your thoughts, though, on uh, on Dion and, and the show that, that's taking place uh, over in Boulder right now? Yeah, Kyler, and I'm glad you kick it back to me because we're going to try something a little different this week. We're going to go through the games, but instead of kind of going through them on a, you know, this is what happened, this is what didn't happen, I just want to ask you, like, what questions were answered and what you still have. And if we're talking about the Colorado game and, you know, you want to ask my opinion on what the questions were answered is first off, you know, the idea of overhauling an entire roster works. Um, And, you know, the idea of is Dion a legit good coach? I think there's just no doubt about it. Obviously, he excelled at Jackson State. And now he's moved up and he's in the power five and it was a hell of a win. Um, Questions that I still have though. I mean, you asked one of them, which is what's the defense going to do? I actually just pulled up Colorado's schedule. They've got Oregon. They've got USC. Uh, Oregon state is no pushover. UCLA chip Kelly, obviously always brings a great offense there and Utah as well. And I think cam rising should be back for that game. And so um, there's going to be plenty of tests on the defensive side of the ball for Colorado to um, prove us. But I mean, you know, my hat's off. It was an incredible performance. I was not expecting it. Um, uh, but I will say on the other side of the ball, I have a lot of questions actually about how good TCU is. Um, you look at the team last year, they came back uh, an insane amount of times 
And it may have just been one of those things where just the magic dust was there. That team was special and somehow they were able to get it done. And I could see them, you know, cascading back to a six and six record this year. Um, I need to see more, uh, but especially given the the strength of the big 12 top to bottom, I think, I, I think it could be a difficult year, but that's a question I have is, you know, it's not completely answered for me, but I will say the question's trending in the negative for TCU. But what about you? Like what questions were answered and what do you still have? Yeah, I, th- I think it's tough to to answer a lot of questions without a larger body of work in, in this particular game. Um, you know, I know that, you know, the question with TCU, you know, is, is this offense going to be the same? And they did put up a significant amount of points. Um, but, you know, Colorado might not have a good defense. So, um, you know, losing Max Duggan, losing your top two wide receivers, um, you know, losing your top running back, you know, still a lot of questions there. But I thought that they did a good job of, you know, responding and, and yeah, playing well on Saturday. That offense did. But I do want to see a bigger challenge um, defense wise for, for TCU to face just to get a better idea of where they actually are. Um, you know, the same thing goes for, for Colorado. Um you know, and their offense. I know that uh, the Tomlinson kid, the defensive back, he was gone. Um, D. Winters, the outside linebacker, he was gone. So I know that they lost a lot on their defense at TCU as well. Um, but you know, from everything that I saw with, with Shador Sanders, and they had a pretty good running back number three out there. I really, really liked what I saw, but I obviously want to see a bigger test, um, you know, for Colorado as well. And I think you're right on, on TCU. This could be a tough year. You know, they, they had a lot of games coming out of the wire last year. So, I mean, yeah, the jury's still out for me for, for, for both teams. But nonetheless, incredible victory for, uh, for, for prime time and, and what he's doing down there, creating a lot of buzz um, over in Boulder. So definitely, uh, you know, excited to, uh, you know, see them play some more games and get a better idea of where they really are. Yeah, Kyler, I would agree. I mean, there still are a lot of questions that need to get answered from all these teams. But I do think that a lot of these games, we, we've gleaned something. Um, and as we move to the Florida State LSU game, you know, what was answered for me is that is Florida State a national championship contender and are they going to be around throughout the season? And I think that's an emphatic yes. Um, I, I, I would find it hard to believe that they aren't at least – going to have a shot at going to the playoffs, going into, you know, conference championship week um, at this point in the season. And I know it's early, but we've seen returns. And part of it is, you know, questions that were answered by other teams. But in Florida State's case, I think that they um, they executed. Um, they've got offensive talent. They really put the clamps on LSU in the second half. Um, and, yeah, so I think a lot of questions, at least for me, from Florida State's perspective, were answered. Now, yeah, there's still a lot of tests to come, but I do think that you know them being number four now in the country is they're absolutely deserving of that ranking. On the flip side, I've got a lot of questions for LSU. Um, that performance was not what I expected after the end of last season, and yeah, uh, they appear to be kind of – I mean, they're going to have to pick up a lot of pieces. I think Brian Kelly's really good at bouncing back, but also I, he's got to do more in the big games. He always choked in the big games at Notre Dame, and, you know, I think that the idea was that he would come to LSU and he would be able to get over the hump with the talent they have, but – uh, it, you know, I know you want to speak more to it, but the talent, honestly, I don't think was deployed in the right manner. And yeah, if this is if this is what we're seeing from LSU, I don't think that they go back to back with the West. I, Bama, you know, answered a lot of questions themselves um, in their game, and I don't think we're going to talk about that. But it's like, yeah, like LSU, you need a lot more if if you're going to compete this season uh, to to win the West. Yeah, I mean, for me, LSU just, you know, it was painful to watch, uh, you know, Harold Perkins, who who I called, you know, the most talented defensive player um, in the country um, last week. He, you know, might as well have been out there just counting his NIL cash. I mean, it was it was absolutely ridiculous, just jogging around, no 
uh, no hustle, no pursuit, um, you know, from him at all. And a lot of it was scheme. You know, I know he was spying on, on Jordan Travis, but, um, you know, just to see that lack of effort from, you know, one of your you know, primetime superstar players was, you know, that, that's got to be disheartening as an LSU fan. Um, and, I, and I thought that they started off pretty well and then we're moving the ball fine, but just, you know, Florida State, all credit to them. I think that we had a lot of questions answered there about Florida State. You know, Jordan Travis really came on last year, and I think that he, you know, continued to, um, you know, develop, you know, during the offseason and, you know, had a great connection with uh, this uh, new receiver, Keon Coleman. Um, that guy had a, had a terrific game. Um, they, they got a, a slew of running backs as well. Good tight end, Jaheim Bell, a South Carolina transfer. So, I mean, I'm, I'm all in on, on Florida State and, and what they were able to do offensively, and, and they do play a pretty – uh, aggressive brand of football and football and defense. So, you know, Mike Norvell, um, you know, had an excellent exclamation point to kind of start this season. So I'm, you know, excited about, you know, Florida State. I think that they're going to continue to stick around. Uh, you know, the ACC is is a bit down. And so, I mean, I don't see anybody in the ACC challenging the, the Seminoles this year. So, I mean, that's a pretty easy path to, to make it into the playoff um, for the Knowles. Yeah, Kyler, you know, speaking of questions kind of answered and sticking in the ACC, I agree Florida State certainly has a clear path now, um, and especially you look at Florida um, at the end of their schedule, and we'll get to them, but yeah, things look good from that perspective, but UNC uh, is another team that, you know, was a team that I had a question about, all right, is their defense going to show up, and at least In game number one, their defense did show up, held South Carolina, who's got a solid offense, to 17 points. Now, yes, South Carolina was able to march down at the end of the game and, you know, wasn't able to punch it in. Some of that, you know, I I mean, you can argue maybe that North Carolina's defense was inflated a little bit just due to circumstances. But with that said, I mean, they made the stops when the stops were needed. And so – I think that uh, I think that you got to look at UNC and say maybe that's the biggest competition right now to um, Florida State. And you know, you look at them; they play App State this weekend at home, then Minnesota at home, then at Pitt, Syracuse at home, Miami at home, Virginia at home, at Georgia Tech versus Campbell. They play Duke at home, um, then at Clemson and at NC State to end the season. Now, those two games back to back aren't easy, but. Yeah, that seems like a team that, uh, yeah, if I had to guess, I would say it's UNC and Florida State meeting for the conference title game at the end of the year. But um, once again, there's some questions that still need to be answered as far as that goes for me. Now, I mean, what are your thoughts on on that UNC performance? Uh, Did anything get answered for you on the defensive side of the ball, or do you think that, you know, you need to see more? No, I think that you kind of nailed it. Um, you know, I the, the big question for them was, was, you know, the specifically rushing defense, right, being able to stop the run. And they were finally able to, uh, you know, put together a great effort. You know, and, you know, South Carolina's a good team, but they could not get anything going up front whatsoever um, in the run game. And so, um, you know, that's hats off to, to the development of that UNC defense in the offseason to uh, – um, yeah, being prepared for this moment. And, and we all know that Drake May is a great quarterback. So um, nothing really needed to be answered there for, for me on the offensive side of the ball. I know that they lost some talent um, at wide receiver, but um, you know, Drake May is going to be able to lead that offense very well. Um, you know, the big question for me now is South Carolina. Um, you know, are they going to be able to you know, be any sort of threat running the ball after seeing a performance like that? Um, I think Spencer Rattler is a – is a, is a solid quarterback. And so I think that they have the, the weapons to, to be good, but really just didn't see, see much from them on, on the ground that I wanted to see um, out of the Gamecocks. So a lot of improvement needed there, but um, you know, I do feel like uh, UNC and Florida state when it comes to the ACC, those are the two, two best teams. Um, I don't think that there's anyone else that really can compete with those two. Um, you know, hopefully uh, the guys down in Durham might have something to say about that. I know that that you had a, uh, actually attended the the Duke Clemson game, but um, but yeah, um, for me, uh, UNC 
definitely, definitely, you know, the other front runner for, for the ACC championship. Yeah. And I mean, that's a great segue. First off. Yes. I think it is Florida state and UNC are the front runners, but it's a great segue because absolutely Duke um, came out and played really well defensively, at least, you know, held them when needed. Once again, a very similar situation to UNC where, you know, I will say UNC had the lead the whole time, whereas Duke kind of was scratching and clawing, took the lead in the second half. But yeah, I was at that game, and I will say it, it answered a question for me, which is I think Dabo's dynasty, whatever you want to call it, is done at Clemson. I really do. I think that he has been resistant to change. He doesn't, you know, talk about – uh, the guy, you know, in Colorado, Dion bringing in like 53 guys, something insane like that. Dabo brought in one, I think. Uh, he is absolutely resistant to the transfer portal, and you're seeing it. Um, and you're just seeing this guy who's head, hard-headed, stubborn, and doesn't want to get with the times. And yet, you know, it's like step aside, you know. But uh, unfortunately, I think we're going to see this this thing in Clemson might end pretty ugly. Uh, I hate to say it, but it just, it feels that way. And especially after last night um, and after seeing them last year, you know, they, they just weren't there and they were supposed to bring in Garrett Riley. That was supposed to be the big savior. And, you know, they put up seven points against Duke. And I I do think Duke, Duke was a nine win team last year. Dave Elko is a great coach, but I do think it says it, but you know, there's a lot of questions that I have about Duke. I think Duke is a team that, also wasn't like it wasn't like they played lights out like to beat Clemson Clemson they they made mistakes too it's just Clemson was hapless and that um that to me is indicative of kind of how the team has played for the last few seasons but um I don't know I mean do you still think that Clemson could get off the mat I mean or is your question then answered on them too well I do think that they have the potential to to get back up off the mat. Um, Garrett Riley has, has proven himself, you know, um, around the country to be a you know, quality offensive coordinator. Um, just, you know, maybe not enough time for this team to gel yet. Um, you know, I, I, I thought with Kate Kublinick, um, Kublinick being the, the starting quarterback and Garrett Riley coming in, we would see a lot better uh, performance um, offensively, but there were just no answers. The only, only real weapon that they were able to utilize was uh, Will Shipley. Um, you know, he, he had an okay game. Um, he's the only one who was able to really you know, do much to the, uh, to the Dukes, de- to Dukes defense. So, um, you know, I think it's pretty much answered though. I mean, you know, the, the resistance that, that Dabo has towards the, the transfer portal is doing no favors um, for, for this team. I mean, he could have gone out and gotten some better offensive linemen to help, you know, protect Klubnik, but, you know, didn't really see that, see any of that. I felt, felt like he was under pressure a lot of the game. Um, and, and Klubnik's got to step up too. I mean, he was, he was overthrowing balls, but not very accurate. Um, you know, not indicative of the guy that they recruited to um, Clemson, which which might be another overarching theme. I mean, you're bringing in the top quarterbacks in the entire country based off of recruit, recruiting classes, and you know neither one of those guys you know really hit for them. DJ Uyangalele, um, you know who, who's out now, appears to be uh, playing a lot better uh, with a different program, and now Cade is the is the guy you know out of you know the number one quarterback high school in the whole country, five star, and, he, and he's you know playing horrible as well. Um, and, you know, in Clemson, so it's a uh, it's it's a it's a kind of kind of a brain scratcher. But you know, like like we've mentioned, uh, you know, Dabo's resistance to the portal is you know keeping them from you know uh, having a level playing field with the, with the rest of his conference, the you know, and the rest of the teams out there. So it's 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 tough to tough to watch if you're a Clemson fan. I, I would want him gone um, immediately, but. Um, I, I thought Duke did a, did a great job, um, even though they, you know, kicked themselves in the foot a good bit. I mean, that, that team showed a lot of grit um, in, in the game uh, on Monday. So uh, I'm excited to see see them play some other teams that aren't Clemson, though. Um, you know, Clemson just 
seems to be going through something yeah horrible right now so i do want to see more out of, out of duke and have them you know face opponents like uh like fsu and just kind of see how they fare yeah and duke certainly is going to get a test i believe at the end of the month is when notre dame steps into wallace wade stadium so I think that'll be an interesting game, and that will say a lot about whether or not this Duke team is for real. And who knows? You know, it's always – I think it's funny. We say questions have been answered, and then sometimes it's like, well, we weren't asking the right question. Like, the real question might be at the end of the season was Duke's defense. Like, did we expect this this from them? You know, maybe they're the best defense in the country. Uh, do I think that? Probably not. But I'm just saying that sometimes it's like, yeah, I, I do agree with you. you know, there are a lot of questions, but I mean, it's fun to kind of view it in terms of this, I feel like. So um, just a few more things. Uh, when talking about um, fan bases that we feel for, even though I feel nothing for them because they're the Florida Gators, um, Florida, though, it, it is another disappointing. Well, I guess they did beat Utah, so they had that high mark, and then they well, their season went downhill. And I, I guess the bottom line is there isn't a blip. The downhill spiral continues. And I know Billy Napier seems to be better on the recruiting trail as of late, but like it doesn't feel like that's going to save him if they – you have another losing record and it feels like this might be another losing record for Florida. Uh, I, I don't know, Kyler. I, I feel like the question has been answered for me. Billy Napier's tenure at Florida is going to be short. Um, but do you, do you differ? I mean, I don't think that they're going to make a decision in Gainesville based off of this year. So I, I don't think his tenure is necessarily over. Um, is this season going to be horrible for the Florida Gators? Yes. Um, you know, they brought in their guy, Graham Mertz, and, you know, 11 points of offense. I know Utah's, you know, traditionally got a really good defense, but, um, you know, you brought in this guy, the guy that, you know, you probably had your pick of the litter of, of you know, quarterback transfers and that kind of thing at, you know, at Florida. And you know, this is the product that they put on the field, um, 11 points. So, um, you know, I, I do see it being tough. Um, and I don't think the, the schedule doesn't get much easier um, for, for, for the Florida Gators, unfortunately. So uh, I, I do see them, you know, uh, having a poor season. And then with the Utah Utes, I mean, I, I was very impressed with the play of, uh, you yeah, know, both of their backup quarterbacks, you know, that, the Nate, I think it was Nate Johnson, um, you know, scrambled for some some really good uh, runs. Um, kind of had some quarterback design runs for him, and then the other quarterback, you know, threw some really good balls. So um, they've got depth at that position, is what that tells me. But you know, Cam Rising, that, that guy's a gamer. So I think that the offense only takes a takes a step up, and, and you know, Utah's going to be a formidable um, opponent uh, there for the, you know the Pac-12. Yeah, and, um, you know, I, I want to make one comment on Florida and then move on to talk a little bit more about the Pac-12 and another game that happened within that conference. And, I, I mean, Kyler, they play McNeese State this weekend. I think that's a, that's a, that's a win. Uh, and then they play Tennessee at home, probably a loss. Charlotte at home, probably going to beat Charlotte. Then they go on the road to Kentucky. I don't think that they can just count that as a win. They play at home against Vanderbilt. You count that as a win. At South Carolina, they get Georgia, obviously, in the cocktail party. Arkansas at home, then at LSU, at Missouri, and Florida State at home. I mean, I see three three wins on that on that list that are for sure. Can they get to six wins? Yeah, they could knock off maybe South Carolina, Arkansas, Kentucky, get to seven wins. Missouri eight wins. Um, but overall, I mean, that schedule, I mean, th this could be a three win Florida team. And and I, I don't know, man, if if they are a three win Florida team, you're trying to tell me Billy Napier going five and seven and three and nine keeps his job. I just can't believe I can't I can't fathom it. I mean, that that's a very short leash to to fire somebody, but it, I mean, I'm not saying that's not what's going to happen. Um, you know, I wouldn't count the Charlotte game as a, as a win either. I think it could be as close, closer to two wins. Uh, you know, Charlotte's got a, 
got a new coach that coached at St. Francis Academy and then Gilman before that. Um, you know, he's going to be able to recruit very well. He's already recruited pretty well to, to Charlotte. So uh, I know that he, that he's got that game circled and wants to, to make a, make a statement um, against an SEC team. So I know that yeah, Charlotte will have that one um, circled. Dude, if you're telling me, and I'm just saying this, if you're telling me that that Billy Napier goes 2-10 and 10 with a Charlotte loss, he is not coming back as Florida's coach. He's not coming back. You know, I'm not the one that's going to make those decisions. I, I think that, you know, if he's their guy, that he's been recruiting really well. I mean, he's been recruiting off the charts. Um, you know, I think that there's an argument to be made to give him one more year. Two and ten, Kyler. Kyler. I feel like here, – here's the thing. I feel like if – if Dan Mullen did him dirty, you know. That, that's a lot to recover there. <laughs> Get out of here. Get out of here. Like, here's the thing. If, if if he like I I fully believe he can go five and seven or four and eight and they can have a couple but they have to get a couple wins. What I'm saying is if they lose every game on there and they lose to Charlotte, I just feel like that's that's enough to say this is not the guy. Like I I just don't see any way that they could allow that to happen. I could see them having a losing record and totally being like, listen, you're doing well. Get your guys, figure it out. But two and ten, it's just how how do you get your fan base to back that? I mean, I'm not saying two and ten necessarily. I mean, I I think that uh, there's a win potential against South Carolina. I think that they could win against Kentucky. Yet to see either one of those teams play play dominant, right? So, like, I mean, there's there's games that are going to be toss ups on their schedule. Charlotte being one of those. I'm not just saying that that Charlotte's going to win that one. But I'm just saying there's games that are toss-ups there that, that he could pull out, right? Um, yeah, two and ten does look horrible on a, you know, on, on a standings chart, right? So, um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, the level of players that he's been recruiting there, I, I do think that, you know, he deserves a shot with them, um, you know, no matter what the record is um, this year. Um, Graham Mertz is obviously pretty horrible. Uh, that was a pretty bad quarterback decision on, on their part to bring him in as as if he could be a savior. But, um, you know, maybe that was the best they could do. I don't know. But uh, they have done well in the recruiting trail, you know, uh, this offseason. So I know that, you know, Billy wants one shot with, with his guys. Um, and I think that the Florida, Florida Gators fan base, I mean, it, they're pretty tough to, to, to keep happy, but. Um, I mean, they're going to keep running coaches off if if they just keep cutting ties, you know, two years in. Yeah, Kyler, I think you're right that, you know, maybe they've learned their lesson after having, I mean, you look after Urban Meyer, Will Muschamp was there for two years. Then you have um, Jim McElwain for, you know, two seasons. And then you have um, Dan Mullen there for just three seasons. So, maybe they've learned and I'm sorry, I think I actually think that Muschamp was there for two and a half or something like that. I don't know why they are not including 13 and 14 in the Wikipedia, but as I say, still multiple short tenured um, for the last four coaches. And so, yeah, maybe you do just have to say, listen, we got to go through these growing pains and hope that we get out on the other side. I tend to agree. I don't think they're going two and ten. I'm not sitting here saying they're going to go two and ten. I think that Billy Napier is a good coach. I think they will improve. I think they will get some wins. I think that Missouri game is crucial. I think they win that Missouri game. I think Missouri is going to be better than people expect. So if they can beat a Missouri team who maybe at that point is ranked in the high twenties or mid twenties, you know. I think that that is a, um, you know, building blocks, but I do think you got to see something and, you know, you're saying that Charlotte's not an easy win. So my whole thing was hypothetically, if they go two and 10, I just don't think that, you know, I think that's a bridge too far, but um, all right. So enough about Florida. I don't think we're going to talk about them much this year unless they're playing the Georgia Bulldogs or one of the other top teams, which they will you know, have a few cracks. Um, but speaking of the team that they played, Utah, and speaking of the Pac-12, I think the other game that was fascinating to me was Washington-Boise State. Washington is a team that I feel like every year 
uh, since basically they made that playoff that one time, they're, you know, hey, they're the team to beat or, you know, they're a dark horse for the playoff. Uh, and it's been really underwhelming, quite frankly, for uh, many of those seasons. So, and it always seems like Washington has an early bad loss. And so I think getting over the hump, Michael Penix is a great quarterback. So that answered some questions. And so, uh, honestly, I would say that, like, you know, maybe this is a, a good segue. You can talk about this game, but also, like, when looking at conference strength, I mean, the Pac-12, quite frankly, might be the strongest conference in the country. And how ironic it is that, you know, they are the strongest country uh, conference in the country this year, and they are dissolving. But – um, yeah, speak to that. Yeah, I mean, I just I wouldn't read as much into this win. Um, I don't think Boise State is is the program that they used to be. Um, so, I mean, I know that – and I do think they have a great quarterback in Michael Penix. I think that he is, you know, incredible. Uh, he's got a great arm. He can make plays with his legs too. Um, so I really enjoy watching him play. Um, and I think that Washington's a solid team, but I do I do want to see them, you know, uh, their defense up against some of these high powered offenses that you'll that we'll see in the Pac-12. And, and to your point, uh, I kind of agree that the Pac-12 uh, might be the strongest uh, conference right now. Oregon, Oregon State, uh, USC has a ridiculously good offense, um, and Washington really good offense as well uh, with Michael Penix at the helm. So. Um, interesting to see how that conference plays out. I think that you're going to see a lot of them beating up on each other too. Um, but, you know, Pac-12 had a very strong showing uh, week one. Yeah, no, there, there's no denying it. And, you know, they had tests and they all passed their test. Um, more coming up this weekend. And I think that's a good segue maybe to talk about week two, um, maybe touch on the Bulldogs a little bit more before we uh, we get in there. Yeah, I mean, so for me, I, mean, I, I want to, you know, highlight some things that I, I saw on the defense. And I, I really feel like the 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 middle of our defense on, on the you know, defensive line and at the linebacker position, specifically the in, inside linebacker position, I saw a lot of things I didn't really like. Um, you know, with the defensive line, I felt like, uh, you know, we we didn't always hold the line of scrimmage very well, and that might have been some of the players that had been rotating in, but I expected a lot more from that defensive line um, based off of the senior leadership um, that's littered you know, across the board there. Um, uh, you know, Michael Williams made, made a really nice play on a sack, but you know, I saw him getting washed down um, on some plays as well. Um, Jonathan Jefferson, you know, he's one guy that really stood out to me that kind of got manhandled at times um, in this game. Um, he got in kind of early on the rotation. Um, but, you know, my biggest disappointment was kind of uh, the inside linebacker position. You know, I, I saw a lot of bad angles uh, from from our main man, Jamon Dumas-Johnson. Um, Xavier and Sori looked kind of lost out there at times. Um, so, you know, these pursuit angles for these inside linebackers are crucial. And, and you know, I saw several times where, um, UT Martin was able to get to the edge, um, you know, before us. And that's, that's every inside linebacker that played, you know, um, smile Mondin made it, took a good angle to the, to the, uh, to the edge to make a tackle on their quarterback, but ended up getting, uh, you know, kind of juked and, you know, pretty positive play for, um, UT Martin there. Um, and then the, uh, C.J. Allen, uh, the the true freshman, you know, I know Kirby talked about him in his press conference yesterday. Um, didn't think that he played, you know, extremely well. I thought he yeah, saw some some poor angles out of him. Um, so that was a little bit frustrating. But the, the, the positive note on that inside linebacker room, you know, with C.J. Allen, um, you know, that's what Kirby talked about. There's not a lot of uh, – Freshman linebackers are going to be able to to make the calls um, yeah, on the defense, and so yeah, it shows that he's got a you know, great capacity for for learning this defense and and you know being able to you know call out the plays, regurgitate you know what he's learning. So that that is a positive, but I think that's all stuff that that's going to be cleaned up um, for us. Um, you know, the one touchdown you know on, on defense was. Uh, it was a ridiculous one-handed snag in the corner of the end zone. I thought A.J. Harris 
thought he played that ball really well. Um, just it's, you know, the guy went and made a, made a play. And so, you know, overall, I'm, I'm pleased with, with where the defense um, is. And, and it's just, you know, there's a lot of new players out there too um, that, that are playing. And like Tyke Smith, you know, getting his feet wet. Um, Jonel Aguero, you know, I saw some some issues there with him in, in, in coverage. And I think it's just more of, you know, learning the defense and, and being able to play fast. Um, same can be said for Xavier and Sori. Um, you know, those, those are great athletes that, um, you know, need to be caught up to speed. And that's all stuff that will be broken down in, in, in the film room, um, you know, uh, this week. So, um, but yeah, no, I, I came away came away very pleased with, with defense overall. What were your kind of your, your thoughts on, on the defense and what you were able to catch on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, we talked about it. I wasn't able to watch the full game. I, you know, went back and watched it. Um, you know, I wasn't able to watch it in real time due to the fact that I was working the last of many baseball games. But um, what I saw was solid. I mean, I think that nothing nothing left me too concerned. Um, yeah, were there some rusty plays? bad beats on the ball, things like that, as you, you know, alluded to, absolutely. And yeah, I, I do have some questions as we talked about last week on the interior defensive line. And are we going to be able to be as good of a run stopping defense as as we have been in the past? That I think more than anything worries me, um, maybe on the defensive side of the ball. I think some of the other stuff with the linebacking core and whatnot, it, it'll get cleaned up. I'm not too too concerned on that. Um, thought the secondary played solid. Uh, and, and yeah, so I, I don't know. I think that um, overall, like it was what I kind of thought from a week one performance playing an FCS opponent. But Kyler, let's move to the other side of the ball. What do you think about uh, the offense and, you know, their performance? I know a lot of people were upset with the early, at least, you know, early going of the Mike Bobo's tenure, but it did seem like things kind of settled down and, and the Bulldogs made some plays as the, as the, you know, game progressed. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of alluded to it a little bit at the beginning of the show. Um, you know, we, we weren't going to show all of our cards. We never really put the gas to the pedal, um, left everything kind of vanilla with the play calling on, on offense. But, um, you know, overall I, I'm pleased as well. There's nothing that, um, you know, Really, really scared me with uh, their performance on Saturday. Um, I will say we've got to got to get our guys back and healthy. Um, you know, at the running back position, um, just looks like uh, you know Kendall Milton's kind of carrying a piano around the field uh, when he's toting the rock right now. So I wanted him to to be able to play full strength on that hamstring. Um, Dejan Edwards definitely need him back. Um, guy's just a tough runner and he really does it all for us, you know, whether it's on offense or on special teams. He's just a great, great, great teammate, great player. So um, hoping we can get those guys back uh, sooner than later. But, you know, I want those guys to be full strength. And I'm kind of glad that we have this kind of runway here. Uh, you kind of want to throw South Carolina into the easy runway as well right now. It gives us even more time to uh, develop some depth at those kind of positions as well. Um, I really liked what I saw out of the freshman running back Roderick Robinson, though. Um, I, I want him to end the ball over over Milton right now. Um, and I think that he's going to see more opportunities um, with the Ball State game um, to to show what he can do. Uh, I think that he's a tough runner. He's a huge kid. He's like 240 pounds. So that's uh, I really really am excited about um, you know his, his future with the Georgia Bulldogs and what he brings to this team. You know right now. Um, and then, you know, the tight end position, uh, I, think we're, I think we're okay there. Uh, you know, every time Brock caught the ball, I felt like he, he went off, uh, you know, always broke the first tackle and, and was making people miss afterwards. He's just extremely exciting to watch. I did see uh, on one of uh, Makai Muse's uh, screen passes, uh, he – he did not, you know, complete his block, but you know, from that point on, I didn't see him really miss another block um, out there on the perimeter. Um, so, not wasn't too worried about that one play from you know all world Brock Brock Bowers, but 
Um, you know, that, that blocking on the perimeter is, is, is crucial to uh, having those uh, big plays open up um, on these short little screen passes. But uh, he got it right eventually on, on the on the really long touchdown. It was I think it was fifty something yards maybe for for Makai Muse. And do you want to take some time to, to highlight uh, Makai, who, who's a walk on um, at the University of Georgia, um, played for Central Gwinnett, um, had, had some D two D three offers, um, just a little bit undersized of a guy. And, and but yeah, the guy is extremely tough. Yeah, I think he has the respect of all of his teammates there in Athens and. Um, you know, he got a, got a few moments to shine. He looked good on that kickoff return. He, you know, obviously housed that screen pass. Um, you know, terrific blocking as well on that play. But, you know, he's, he's got some wiggle to him. And then he, he caught another one out in the out in the flats and, and took that for a significant gain. So, um, you know, I, I'm excited about this kid. You know, you know who he reminds me of? He reminds me of uh, Isaiah McKenzie. We haven't had this much wiggle back there in the punt in the return game, um, you know, since Isaiah McKenzie, in my opinion. And, and I think that there's a great role there for him um, with this team. And, you know, I know that Dominic Lovett's had his experience as well, but um, it's nice to have two guys. And, and, it, and it feels like uh, that he, he's a pretty sure-handed guy. I saw him call, call for a fair catch as well. So, Really excited about about what um, you know what I saw out of Makai and his ability to contribute to this team uh, this year um, at the receiver position. Um, you know, obviously Lad McConkey was out, but I thought Dylan Bell um, made some pretty nice plays on, on some some pretty basic hitch routes and stuff. But it was good to see that. Um, you know, great to see Ra Ra Thomas out there catching a deep ball from Vandegrift. Um, and then the other transfer, Dominic Lovett, you know, I know he had kind of a tough game, had, had a couple drops, but um, I, I feel like, you know, he, he is game tested. I think that uh, we're going to see, you know, even even bigger things out of him um, in the future. But overall, I, I'm actually pleased with with the uh, with the offense, um, you know, on the offensive line. I forgot to mention them. Uh, didn't see any pressure on our quarterback ever, you know, so. There might have been one or two, you know, QB hurries, but man, that offensive line and pass pro looked really, really good. So that that bodes well for for keeping Carson clean as a first year quarterback and and um, you know keeping him um, upright and, and making plays. What about you? I mean, I know that you know you probably got your thoughts on, on the offense and and you know there's you know a lot of people calling for for Mike Bobo, uh, you know, kind of tongue in cheek uh, at the beginning of the game, but um, you know. I just wanted to kind of hear hear what you think as well about um, about the offense and you know if, if we're going to be able to live up to uh, you know uh, the replacing uh, of the all great um, you know Stetson Bennett and, and Todd Munkin and what they were able to do the last two years. I mean, I don't know if replacing is the right word because I don't think I, I don't know I don't think any of us are under the. The, those illusions that suddenly we're going to be that team. And if you are, then I think that you need to check yourself a little bit because those are some special people, but it doesn't mean that our offense doesn't have the ability to be incredibly explosive. Um, and I, I kind of tend to agree and echo your sentiments. I mean, we kept it simple. We're probably going to keep it simple this week against Ball State. And, you know, we're probably going to keep it relatively simple, quite frankly, against South Carolina, too. I just feel like this offense, um, you know, I think that they're just finding themselves. Um, but I think that when you have a guy like Brock Bowers, who, to your point, goes and dominates basically every time he gets the uh, ball in his hands. And then, you know, you've got a plethora of wide receivers who – have been both tested at Georgia and haven't, but, you know, Dominic Lovett was out there, made some plays. Um, Rob Rob Thomas even did later in the game. So, uh, yeah, I think there's a lot to look forward to. I think that you can't take one game, especially against an FCS opponent, and say this is, you know, this is what we are. Um, we should all know better than to do that. So, uh, I don't know. I don't think that there's anything that I can sit, sit back and say like, oh, I'm worried about this. I'm worried about that. And to your point, the offensive line did their job. And I think that's incredibly crucial, especially when you get into games that, you know, are higher pressure and things like that. Um, 
yeah, the, the you know, give it up. And Joe Moore Award, you know, we want it. So we got to keep keep the uh, the QB upright throughout the rest of the year. But um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of kind of my takeaway. I'm not going to go too deep into it because you already kind of hit on the points that I think really I had the same sentiments in a lot of ways. But any final thoughts before we kind of move forward to week two? No, it was just, uh, you know, it was great to ha- have a night game. You know, I feel like those are few and far between now. Um, so it was great to see, you know, Sanford lit up like that and, and you know, see the when the fourth quarter hits and, you know, all the fours going up and, and the production that they're able to, you know, put together for, for these kind of night games. It was, it was really cool. But, um, you know, overall, just, just pleased with the dogs. Uh, you know, we weren't going to come out and, and just – be guns a blazing against UT Martin. There's just there's no no purpose in that. And so, uh, you know, Kirby knows that that we have, you know, a couple games here to to develop depth. I mean, a lot of a lot of guys, a lot of younger guys, were able to see the field. And I think that was really important to get those guys snaps and and, and further develop them. So, um, overall, very pleased with with what happened in uh, in Athens on Saturday. So we moved to week two, Kyler. Some some big matchups. Uh, and, you know, I want to maybe group a couple in together, and that's Notre Dame at NC State and Texas A&M at Miami. We talked about it. The ACC had a massive weekend last week, and these two games have the ability to make the ACC go from, you know, a really good conference or at least a solid conference to, a, oh, my gosh, an incredibly strong conference because – I do think Notre Dame has shown at least against lesser opponents to be really good. Um, NC State had a difficult test against UConn. UConn was a bowl um, eligible team last year, and I do think that Jim Moore Jr. is doing some good things there. But with that said, um, yeah, I mean, I think that Notre Dame – Personally, I think Notre Dame covers. I think that they provide too tough of a test, but I could see it going either way. And then also, as I say, Texas A&M goes and visits Miami. Texas A&M, a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, Miami seriously underwhelmed last year. Honestly, it's the underwhelming bowl. Both those teams were incredibly underwhelming last year. But I think both – you know, we're kind of doing resets. Um, it was a little bit more disappointing. Jimbo Fisher have been around longer, but, um, you know, both have relatively new coaches. And, uh, you know, now you bring in you bring in neck brace, Bobby Petrino to, to run that offense. And I don't know. I don't know if that changes things, but I also know that Miami has done a lot on the recruiting trail. I know they're really talented. Um, but yeah, I mean, what do you think, uh, you know, maybe speak to both of those games first? I think that Notre Dame is going to, you know, play really well against NC state. Uh, I really like Sam Hartman as a quarterback, you know, he, he proved it for, uh, for quite a few years there at Wake Forest and, you know, he's got some good weapons around him. I was very impressed with their running game. Um, they got a really good uh, tight end that came in as a freshman, um, was actually uh, went to Westlake High School as well. Um, and uh, God, what is that guy's name? I think it's Jaden Greathouse. But, yeah, he's one of the top tight ends. He's, he's wearing number 19 as well. Um, I think that's going to be something that we see in the future is great tight ends wearing 19. But, um, yeah, I've got, I've got Notre Dame um, winning that one. Um, that much contest from NC State. I'm still not sold on NC State after the game against UConn and whether they're a legit contender. I mean, losing Devin Leary was a was a huge loss to them. I don't think Brennan Armstrong uh, from from UVA is the same level of a quarterback. So, I mean, I've got Notre Dame um, winning that one handily. Um, and then, you know, with A&M and Miami, I know that uh, Miami you know really underperformed last year, uh, but. Um, no one underperformed as much as A and M, and I think that Miami ends up uh, ends up winning this game. Yeah, I know that they're not not favored in this one, but um, I, I can't put any faith into uh, Texas A and M until I actually see them play a formidable opponent and put together um, a good game, and not just you know that one game a year. I, I want to see consistency out of this team because. I, you know, one of the things with Texas A&M, they have the talent, but I just don't think they have the focus. So I've got Miami, um, you know, taking down uh, the, the Aggies. Okay. 
Uh, that is, uh, that's, that will definitely be an upset. Uh, you know, we talked about this and there's some other games that we're going to talk about, but a lot of teams going on the road and are road favorites. I do think a few of them are getting taken out and I think Miami is a good opportunity to do so. Um, uh, you know, it does seem like Texas A&M has some stuff figured out. I, that's one I'm still kind of on the fence about, but I don't know. I do lean Texas A&M on that, I feel like. I feel like they're going to take care of business. They're going to get it done. I think Miami might be one more year from being the Miami that we expect from them, um, but it's going to be a good one. I think it's going to be one of the best games of the weekend. Um, now, moving into... Uh, another road favorite. We got Old Miss at Tulane. Both are ranked. Old Miss is seven and a half point favorite. I mean, do you think that does Tulane cover? If I'm remembering right, they were in a really close game last year. Old Miss ended up prevailing. But uh, yeah, what do you think about Tulane? They're playing down in New Orleans, so you got to give them some credit there. But I, I do think that Old Miss, I mean, they're one of the, you know, they have one of the most prolific offenses, I think, this year. Um, they, they had like a five- or six-way quarterback competition heading into the spring. And so, you know, you definitely got to think that the cream would rise to the top in that kind of scenario, bringing in a guy like Spencer Sanders um, to compete with Jackson Dart. And, and Dart ended up winning, winning that uh, position battle, but both guys played really well on, on Saturday. And with Tulane, I mean, they lost their top running back, Ty J. Spears, who I think is going to have a great pro career. Um, he's doing great things in in, uh, in Nashville right now for the Titans. But um, I still have too many questions on, on Tulane right now. And, and I know they had a big win against um, South, South Alabama. But um, at the same time, I you know, I do see this offense of Ole Miss being legit and being able to cover that seven-and-a-half point spread down there in New Orleans. Yeah, and I was also incorrect, Kyler. It was Tulsa, actually, that gave Ole Miss a bit of a scare last year. Not Tulane, but I tend to agree. I think that Ole Miss does end up covering um, and at least get some momentum early season. I think that falters later in the season. But, um, yeah, I, I do think they're a good team, and I think that they're well coached, and I, and I think they get the win. Um, moving on to probably the marquee matchup of the week, Texas at Alabama, Alabama, a seven point favorite, um, probably the biggest game that's happened at Alabama in quite some time. Uh, I feel like, especially from a non-conference perspective, I can't remember the last time that I feel like Alabama's used to playing a lot of neutral site games, um, and so, yeah, this is going to be, I think, an absolutely insane atmosphere in Tuscaloosa. And I'm excited. I think that, you know, Jalen Milrow, it's a real test. We're going to see if he's the real deal. And, you know, Quinn Ewers had a really great game. And it probably feels like, you know, that injury derailed his, you know, incredible start to his Texas career. And so I think he's circled this game. He wants revenge. I think it's going to be fantastic. Uh, what about you? Um, I, I think that, is, you know, for me, I, I love this Texas team and the talent that's on it. Uh, I think that they have a legit quarterback, not someone that just, you know, can can be another running back um, to the arsenal. Um, Alabama, you know, we really didn't get to see a lot. They kept the you know, game plan very similar to Georgia, kept the game plan very vanilla. They looked to be much improved on defense. Um, Caleb Downs, true freshman, was out there making plays, led the team in tackles. I think that he's going to be an All-American at some point. Um, but for me, you know, with Texas, I, I think that they're going to be able to, to keep up with them um, offensively. Uh, they've got A.D. Mitchell, um, you know, RIP with, the, you know, his dog jersey. But, you know, he, he continues his career out there, um, you know, in, in Austin. So I'm excited to see what, what he does in, in a big-time matchup like this. Um, he's already proven that he can uh, make the big plays against Alabama. So, um, but but they've got him. Uh, their number one wide receiver, Xavier Worthy. Uh, yeah, he's he's extreme talent. I know they lost a lot of the running back position, but it's the state of Texas. If you can't find a running back on the recruiting trail in Texas, there there's something seriously wrong. But um, I've got I've got Texas uh, covering the spread. I still got Bama winning. I, I give the 
give the nod to the, to the home fan base there in Tuscaloosa. I think that they're going to show up in a big way and be, um, uh, you know, a major factor in this game. So, uh, but I've got Texas covering. Uh, I have them, uh, you know, losing by a field goal. All right. It's uh, laying down the gauntlet, Texas. We talked about it. It's not the games that we want to include in our betting six-pack. We're bringing it back. We didn't do it last week, but we're going to do it this week. Kylo, the games that we've decided to select, Colorado minus three against Nebraska. I mean, it is a 10 a.m. kick via Colorado time, but I still think that you know, Nebraska showed very little on offense. Colorado showed a lot on offense. I just, I do not believe that um, that Nebraska has the guns to stick around. And I mean, Shadur Sanders is the truth. Um, UAB plus seven and a half at Georgia Southern. I'll let you talk about that game a little bit more. Texas State plus twelve at UTSA. Uh, Wisconsin minus six and a half at Washington State feel like Wisconsin's getting their mojo back. Uh, Oregon minus six and a half at Texas Tech and UCF minus three and a half at Boise. So a bunch of road favorites. It's the road favorite week, uh, honestly. But why don't you speak to a a few of this matchups a little bit more? Yeah, I mean, I I like Colorado there a lot. Um, Just after seeing the performance last week against TCU, um, and you know Nebraska ended up losing their their first week game, so um, I've got Colorado. Um, you know wh- why not get on the primetime train? You know I feel like he's out here to, to make everybody some money. So um, you know go go buffs on that one, uh, and then UAB at Georgia Southern. Uh, you know I'm a big Trent Dilfer fan. I like what he did up at uh, Lipscomb Academy in Nashville, um, but I think that he's going to be yeah, a terrific coach. Understands offense. Um, I think they're going to take down Georgia Southern. I, I would even take them money line, not just covering the seven and a half. And then, uh, and then, yeah, Texas State. This is this is my 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 lock of the week right here. Uh, going up against the UTSA Roadrunners. Roadrunners had a had a tough loss last week um, against against Houston, but uh, you know I feel like they're still going to be feeling that a little bit. So. Um, but if you didn't watch that Texas State game, I, I recommend everybody going back and, and watching what they did against Baylor last week. Uh, TJ Finley looked like an All-American out there. Um, was just getting extremely vertical with the ball. Um, that's a Dave Aranda coach defense there. So um, to, to be able to beat them in the way that they did uh, on Saturday is very commendable, and I, I see big things out of, uh, out of Texas State this year. Um, then yeah, Wisconsin at six and a half against Washington state. Um, I, yeah, Luke fickle. I think he did a terrific job while he was at Cincinnati. I don't, there's no thinking about it. He did a great job at, at Cincinnati, bringing them to, uh, um, a college football playoff and, and, and they've got great weapons there, you know, still have a really good, uh, ground game there. So, uh, I think that they, they, they put it to Washington state. I know it's a road game, but I've got them winning that one. Um, and then, Oregon, uh, you know, heads across the country to, to Lubbock to, to take on Texas Tech. And, you know, the Fighting Dan Lannons, uh, big fan of them. And they came such a long way from when we played them game one um, to the end of the season last year. So I think that they built off that success. Bo Nix, an experienced quarterback, has played in a lot of big-time games during his tenure. So um, uh, I, I can't bet against uh, Oregon there. And then UCF at minus three and a half. I think that UCF's done a terrific job. Uh, they're playing Boise State, by the way. But they've done a great job on, uh, in the transfer portal. Um, brought in Javon Baker from, from Alabama, Kobe Hudson from, from Auburn, John Rice Plumley. Um, he was there last year, but he's a transfer from, from Ole Miss, uh, dual sport athlete there. And, I, you know, I think Boise State's going to be outmatched there. I mean, they absolutely got pummeled by um, by Washington. So, um, you know, seeing that performance on the field, you know, combined with, you know, the weapons that, that UCF has, um, i got to go with UCF here. And hopefully we get to see a little bit of Ryan Davis. Uh, hopefully he gets, uh, gets to make some plays out there. It's always good to see some of these uh, these transfers, you know, finally get their, their time in the spotlight. So um, go, going with the Knights uh, uh, against Boise State this weekend. Yeah, I, I, you know, this is why we do the six pack. We agree on all these picks. 
what he said, <laughs> Kyler, you know a lot more, but but it is just, I feel like going on intuition a little bit more, but t- Texas State, you know, they had a great win last week. Wisconsin, as I say, the Luke Fickle area era seems to be starting well. Um, Oregon, I just feel like they've got it going. I think they're one of the better teams in the country this year, and Texas Tech uh, didn't show much against Wyoming. And then, of course, UCF had a inc- really, inc- really uh, impressive um, start in, I believe, on Thursday, maybe. Um, but it was a uh, it was a very, very strong start. And so I, I just think that for all those reasons, I see things and, you know, I look on a little bit higher of a level rather than knowing every last player as you do. But. Um, but I still feel like these are, you know, these are strong picks for all those reasons. Um, all right, let's talk Georgia uh, before before we get off the air for this week. The dogs, Ball State, it should have been Oklahoma on the road, and then the SEC said, no, thank you. You can't do that, Georgia. And so last-minute scheduling change, we got Ball State. That's, that's the best we could do. Um, Thoughts on this game, Kyler? Yeah, I do want to talk about that. I'm literally sick of every other fan base just reaching for whatever they can find to to dog the dogs. Like, okay, like, sorry, we didn't play Oklahoma this year. Yeah, it wasn't our choice. We would have gone in there and steamrolled them too. Um, And, you know, it might be a tough schedule. You don't know yet. Uh, So, yeah, screw you. We're two-time, you know – National champions, two years in a row. Pretty, pretty good feat there. Um, but to focus a little bit more on the game, I think that, you know, it's going to be a little bit of the same of what we saw this week. Um, Ball State, I know they've got uh, Kent State's running back from last year who had a, you know, pretty big game against us. Um, so I'll be excited to uh, see him again. But I really do just feel like it's, uh, you know, I watched a little bit of that Ball State Kentucky game. And, you know, they were outmatched by Kentucky. Uh, I know they kept it close for a little while, but, um, you know, they, they were they were turning the ball over, a lot of fumbles. I mean, Kentucky was just a lot more physical on defense um, than their offense was. And so, I, you know, I just see us being able to absolutely dominate them um, as well. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I just for me, I think it's just going to be another another game to try to develop depth, I, and I might be eating crow because we don't have the best uh, outings against the MAC conference. Um, you know, with how we played against Kent State last year, but I feel like uh, you know we we we've addressed the the complacency issue within this team, and and I don't think that we're going to see see us lay an egg like that um, um, on Saturday. What about you? I mean, what- I, I would love to see us start faster. Um, you know, I, I think that that's the biggest thing that I would like to see from the dogs, but I don't know that we are And you know, I'll go ahead and give my prediction. I think it's going to be 38, 10. Um, I think that once again, I think we, we play with our food a little bit and we just, I feel like maybe things don't completely click, but it's all leading up to our opener against South Carolina, you know, the next week. And so I think that that's when I expect us to really kind of put our foot on the gas in a way, you know, it's not that we're not putting our foot on the gas. It's just that we're working on things. We're trying things and, you know, we're all kind of building to these, these peaks of the season, I feel like, and they happen at different times, but you know, we're, uh, you know, we're a finely tuned engine and you just got to like slowly, you know, bring that thing to, to full throttle, if you will. Absolutely. I mean, I, I see this game. I do see us, uh, you know, starting off faster than we did, um, you know, the Saturday before. Um, but that's going to, you know, put our, you know, uh, backups in the game a lot, a lot earlier. And I think that there's still a lot uh, that, you uh, that we can improve upon with, with uh, some of our depth and how they're playing. And so I, I see this one 48 to 10. Um, I, I see the strong offense, but I think that they're going to get those 10 points in the you know late third and, and fourth quarter. So um, that's kind of how I see things uh, playing out on, on Saturday. 
I could see that. I, you know, I'd love to see a, a 10 additional points, but uh, I'm going to stick 38-10. But similar, similar, I think, outcome. Never in doubt. And, you know, uh, a, another strong performance that sets up South Carolina well. Uh, well, any final thoughts, Kyler, before we sign off for this week? No, no, no final thoughts. I mean, I think that we've, you know, kind of established that – you know, without really knowing too much about Ball State, you know, on a deep level, um, you know, there's not really too much analysis, you know, uh, to make of this game outside of, you know, creating depth and, and you know, seeing if we can get that fast start on offense and, um, you know, just continue to see the guys develop. Uh, you know, I love this, like, long runway. I know that, you know, the rest of uh, the country kind of hates us for it, for not playing Oklahoma, like, I'm sorry, but you know, just wait, just wait your turn. You know, wait till you see us in the SEC championship. Wait till you see us, you know, knocking off teams in the playoffs and, and winning that natty again. And then talk to me about a, about an easy schedule. Yeah, and, and you know, the bottom line is our difficult tests wait later in the season. I think Missouri is going to be improved. I think you know, Ole Miss could be that team. Who knows? And obviously, I, you know, looking at what Tennessee did, I don't think we really mentioned them, but a dominant or very strong victory against Virginia to open the season. I mean, there's no reason to think that that game in Neyland isn't going to be an incredibly difficult one um, and a huge test. And so, um, you know, we all get our time. We all get our chances. And, yeah, the bottom line is I'm, I'm not stressing it. I'm not worried about it. Um, you know, keep running your mouth and we'll just keep winning. So, uh, yeah, well, for Kyler Carr, <laughs> that is it. For Kyler Carr, I'm Matt Kerr. This has been another Dogs on Top, Even on Bottom podcast, the D-O-T-E-O-B. Check us out on Instagram, the underscore D-O-T-E-O-B, and follow us and connect and, you know, hit like and subscribe on any of the podcasts where you're tuning in to this great podcast. We appreciate your support. And as we always finish, go dogs. Go dogs.